I bring you greeting from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every crooked path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In this broadcast, we shall begin to look at the fifth of the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith. That is the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. Let me just read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So we are doing the fifth one now, which is the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. Now, the resurrection of the dead has always been and still is a major issue of debate. In Jesus' time, the Sadducees didn't believe in it. In fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew 22, verse 23, that the Sadducees were people who did not believe there was a resurrection. And then Jesus' disciples themselves found it very hard to believe. Even after the Lord Jesus Christ had resurrected, even though he had forewarned them, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 17, this was after the Lord Jesus Christ had resurrected. The Bible says, when they saw him, that is his disciples, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There were doubtings in the hearts of some of his disciples. In Luke chapter 24, I just want to establish some things here. Luke chapter 24, written from verse 36. The Bible says, now, as they said these things, that is the two disciples that he met on the road to Emmaus, that he revealed himself to, they came and told the other disciples who were not with them that the Lord had in this reason, and they didn't believe. So in verse 36, the Bible says, Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophet and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. So the Lord's disciples found it hard to believe. The Sadducees from time said there's nothing about resurrection. So it's an ongoing debate. For the believer in Christ, the resurrection of the dead is a fundamental, foundational doctrine of his faith. If that doctrine is not properly laid, it stands the risk of losing his salvation entirely. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and verse 4, the Bible says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures being referred to here is the Old Testament, because as at this time, the New Testament was not even scripted. What he was writing here was considered an epistle, a letter. It was not part of the Bible at the time. This is the foundation of our belief. That Christ died for sinners. He was crucified. He was buried. And on the third day, he arose again. It was such a fundamental part and still is a fundamental part of the Christian belief that when the apostles were witnessing in the book of Acts, they kept mentioning the fact that he had been raised up from the dead and that they are witnesses 
that they saw it themselves. If we read further in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, you'll see it says, And that he was seen by Cephas or Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present as a time of writing. But some have fallen asleep, some have died. Verse 7, after that, he was seen by James, that is his half-brother, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. So, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. It is a foundational part of the Christian faith. We must believe it. If we do not believe it, then we run into a problem where we are inviting Satan to come and run us around. And we see a lot of that today. Because, you see, when you don't believe there's a resurrection, then you have nothing to live for. You believe that, well, life ends at death and there's nothing after that. But that is a fallacy. It is a lie from the pit of hell and it's been perpetrated so that a lot of people will live as they want to live rather than understanding that there is more to life than that. In verse 32 of the same First Corinthians chapter 15, he says, If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me if the dead do not rise? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul is writing, he says, I fought with men as though I was fighting with beasts over the issue of salvation, over the issue of resurrection of the dead. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then what was I fighting for? What was I jeopardizing my life for? Then if that is the case, let us eat, drink, and die. And that is the way some people who don't understand the issue of salvation are living their lives. They are behaving as if once you die, that's where it ends. And so they live a reckless life. If you are a Christian, it must be ingrained in you that there is a resurrection of the dead. Let me read verse 12 to 23 of the same First Corinthians chapter 15, which we shall visit again in later stages. Because this chapter is actually what I call the doctrine of resurrection of the dead. In verse 12, he says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Because this is the substance of our faith, that Christ rose. And because Christ rose, we also will be raised up when we die. This is the substance of it. This is the hope that we have in Christ, that we shall live again when we die. In verse 15, he says, Yes, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's a simple truth. The Bible says that he was raised up for our justification. So if he was not raised up, then we are not justified. Then we are still sinners. Well, we're wasting our time. We might as well go to the beaches, go everywhere, go to nightclubs and misbehave as much as we want to misbehave. But the truth is Christ rose from the dead. And if he rose from the dead, then the dead do rise. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Some people have said, even if there's no resurrection and we live like Christians, at least we will leave the world a better place. Let me tell you the truth. Don't buy into that argument. That is a very, very faulty and shaky argument. Because the truth of the matter is that the world is never going to be better. The world is going to get worse and worse. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he was raised up. That is how we are justified. And we have that hope that because he was raised up, we also will be raised up. Otherwise, our hope is futile. Our hope is vain. Our hope is dead. Yet Peter talks about a living hope. 
because of the resurrection in verse 20, same first Corinthians 15, it says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstborn, afterward those who are Christ's at his coming. So we want to ensure that our faith in the resurrection of the dead is not wobbly, is not shaky. So we want to address a fundamental question. Do the dead rise? In other words, is there anything like the resurrection of the dead? To begin, I need to set out three words that may be confusing. The word resurrection, the word resuscitation, and the word revival. The word resurrection must never be confused with resuscitation and revival. Resuscitation is to awaken from unconsciousness. That is, someone who fainted or someone who has collapsed and we pour water or do mouth to mouth and bring the fellow up or awaken him. He was unconscious. He did not die. Resuscitation is about somebody who did not die, but was brought back. He was awakened as it were. Revival, on the other hand, is to make active something that has become inactive due to lack of use or abandonment. You revive something or someone who used to be active, but now he is redundant or inactive. And so you revive him. Another word for revival is to reinvigorate, to re-energize, to rejuvenate. It's usually used of spiritual awakening, where somebody had backslidden and fallen back into sin and is behaving in a strange manner. Then he hears a word from God, and that word creates a reawakening in him, and he becomes alive and realizes that he had been living a very strange life. That's a revival. Resurrection is to raise back to life someone who has died, not one who fainted or who collapsed, nor something that is inactive. That's not resurrection. Resurrection is about bringing back to life someone that died. Resuscitation or revival is easy to believe and even accept, but resurrection is tough to believe and receive as a doctrine, not to talk of a major foundational doctrine on which we place our Christian faith. Now, we want to go to Matthew chapter 22 and see what happened when the Sadducees came to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. I call it the Sadducees query or the Sadducees question. In Matthew 22 from verse 23 to verse 32, and I'm reading now, the same day the Sadducees who said there is no resurrection came to him and asked him, saying, teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, 
but of the living. The question the Sadducees raised was to ridicule the issue of resurrection. Because note, they did not believe in the resurrection. And then they came and told the story and said, there are these seven brothers who were with us. So they claim that these people actually lived and that they saw them, they witnessed it. That was their claim. And so they evoked Moses' law, which says that when a man gets married, if he dies without his wife having a child, the immediate younger brother is to get married to the wife. And the first child that comes out will be the child of that brother who has died. So they told the story that there were seven brothers and each one married this woman. But for some reason, they died without having children up to the seventh of the brothers. And the seventh brother died. Eventually, the woman herself died. And then they raised the question, in the resurrection, who will be the husband of that woman? The Sadducees, by their own doctrine, had nothing to hope for. After you died, as far as they were concerned, it was all over. So the only place to have any enjoyment was in the world here. They believed that all matter ended in death. That death was a finality, the closure. Once you die, it was ended, nothing else. Your body goes to the sand and that's the end of it. They had nothing to do with the spirit or the soul. No, whether you did good or you did bad, all will end here on the earth. That was their argument. So they now came and brought this case. I call it a hypothetical case. They claimed it was a real matter. And they asked the Lord Jesus Christ that who amongst these seven brothers would be the husband of the woman in the resurrection? Basically saying it is not possible for there to be a resurrection. I mean, how do you then relate to this issue of seven brothers marrying a woman? Some of the questions in their mind would have been, would she have married the first brother in the resurrection? Or would she marry the one that she loved most on the earth? Or the one who loved her the most? Or the one who stayed with her the longest? Which one would she marry? Just to ridicule it. The other day I watched something on social media, I think a WhatsApp group or so. And it was a man talking about heaven. And he said that a lot of people talk about heaven as something that is not on earth. That if indeed heaven is what they say it is, why don't they die and go to heaven? And I said, I've seen a Sadducee, a joker, who believes that the doctrine of heaven is fun. He said, and how do you know that you are not even in heaven here on the earth? And people were cheering and clapping. And I just smiled. And the response that the Lord gave is the response for such a man and any other person who behaves in this manner. In verse 29, the Lord Jesus Christ told them, you are mistaken. The old King James says, you do err. You are in error. Why? Because you don't know the scriptures. And secondly, you don't know the power of God. Or put differently, you don't know how powerful God is. A lot of people who joke with the word of God don't know how powerful God is. Because God is let me use the term, humble, because God overlooks so many things. Sometimes you see the world going in an upheaval and you're wondering what's going on and all kinds of people are there talking. Ordinarily, if we were God, you and I would have smacked that fellow's face. But the Bible says that God is long-suffering. He does not want anybody to die a sinner, so he gives people a long rope. And many people mistake his long-suffering for weakness or that God doesn't really exist. And they say all kinds of things. So the Lord Jesus Christ tells them that, number one, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. But then he turned and said, let me give a direct answer to your question. In the resurrection, there's nothing like marriage or giving away in marriage. We are all like angels. Let me read it from Luke chapter 20, verse 34 to 36. Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age, talking of the afterlife and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. This is a very clear statement because Luke was writing to Gentiles who probably would not have understood some of the Jewish jargons. 
in verse 36. It says, Nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So there is nothing like marrying or giving away in marriage. I've seen people who talk about resurrection and talk, oh, you will see that your dead pet. Try to trifle a very serious thing. I recall somebody saying to me once that his brother committed suicide, which is a very sad thing. But then he said he knows that he will see his brother in heaven. How does that work out? What kind of message is he hearing? What kind of teaching is he hearing? The God who said, thou shalt not kill, included in that thou shalt not kill. Yourself. Why? You didn't make yourself. You don't own life. You have no power over life. You cannot take life, whether it's somebody else's or yours. Once you have done that, you are a murderer. We are the ones who have the fanciful term of suicide for it. But you're a murderer because you took your life and you don't have the right to do that. Being a murderer means that you are sentenced to hell in eternity. Once you are dead, if you died in Christ, there's a resurrection. There's nothing like getting married. I believe we'll know who we got married to. We'll know who our friends were, who are now in the place. We'll know our parents. We'll know them. But we are all spirits. I don't think that relationship, that filial relationship will hold. Only one relationship will hold. We are all children of God. Then he now moves to talk about resurrection itself. And he asks them that question. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? Have you not read the scriptures? Have you not read the word of God? And again, the word of God is talking about here was the Old Testament. So let's look at the Old Testament. Perhaps the Old Testament speaks about these things, or maybe it did not speak about it. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, that's the example that the Lord Jesus Christ used. Moreover, he, that is God, said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, until the Lord Jesus Christ pointed this thing out in Matthew chapter 22, verse 32. I wouldn't have known that this I am meant something very vital, saying that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. He could have said, I was, meaning they are dead and gone. But he said, I am presently. So the Lord Jesus Christ said, he is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living, stating clearly that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are very much alive, haven't been resurrected, as it were, from the dead. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, we are looking at the scriptures. We are looking at what the Lord Jesus Christ called scriptures, and which is the Old Testament. And there are some people who insist that they don't agree with the Old Testament. Let me tell you the truth. The Old Testament is part of, in fact, it is the original scripture. The New Testament is put there. And thank God for the New Testament. It explains so many things in the Old Testament that would have been difficult for us, particularly us Gentiles, to appreciate and comprehend in the scriptures. Now, sometimes, even when we interpret the Old Testament, we tend to give it a spiritual connotation. In other words, it has nothing to do with the physical, but only the spiritual. But we're going to see some scriptures that are so clearly physical and yet spiritual on the matter of resurrection. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, the A part. I'm just going to read the A part. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. You see, when you read the first part, your dead shall live, we always look at revival. That's what we look at there. Oh, the dead shall rise. The spiritually dead shall rise. No, because the next line, it says, together with my dead body, they shall arise. So Christ having been raised up, everyone that died before Christ were also raised up after Christ was raised up. He was the first fruit to be raised on the dead. So note that it is in Isaiah, your dead shall live. 
together with my dead body, they shall arise. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead and the fact that the dead will also be raised. Ezekiel chapter 37, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. We're talking of all bones of dead people scattered all over the place. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know, Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on this slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Some things are clear here and some things are not so clear. When you read it, you would think that God is speaking of the nation of Israel itself. And how Israel that is considered to be dead, that is, they are gone, that God will bring them back and put them in their land. That is true. But there's a deeper truth here. First and foremost, God was trying to tell us, as he said to the Sadducees, you do not know the power of God. We see the power of God. Bones were scattered in the valley. Yet, God was able to bring the bones together. If you had put an archaeologist there, the archaeologist would have had to be testing for DNA, would label every single bone. They would take years, if not decades, gathering the bones and labeling them, then drawing DNA from each of the bones if he could, because the Bible said they were very dry. He would try some things to extract DNA from each bone and then begin to try and piece them together. But this one, by prophecy, he asked Ezekiel to prophesy. And as Ezekiel prophesied, the bones that belonged to each individual came together. So, the question of what of people who died in plane crashes? What of people who were drowned in an ocean? What of somebody who died in a bomb blast? He will be raised back to life one day. The dead actually do rise. Because of the power of God, he has the power to bring bones together to form flesh. I've watched some crime detectives when they're trying to identify a skull. They get the skull and they try to find out whether it is Caucasian or Mongoloid or Negroid. And then they do potty with skin and look at what the age of that person will be. Try to do all kinds of things. And they've actually solved crimes that way. But in this case, God did not need potty. Just merely speaking, sinews, muscles were formed, flesh was formed, skin came up. And then again, he said, prophesy and breath came into them. They lived. They were not robots. They were not zombies. 
So here we see the power of God at work bringing about the resurrection of the dead. Do the dead rise? Yes, the dead rise. The dead are raised because of the power of God. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, still looking at the scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ was referring the Sadducees to, the Bible says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. People will be raised, whether they died in Christ or they did not die in Christ. He says, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So eternal damnation and eternal life. Everyone will be raised. So do the dead rise? Yes, the dead are raised. In Psalm 16, verse 10, Peter quoted this in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol or the place of the dead, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. David is just speaking about two people, him himself on the one hand. He said, you will not leave my soul. That's you will not abandon my soul in hell. You are going to raise me out of hell. Then he goes on to talk about the Messiah. That's why this verse is a messianic verse. He says, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So David, on the one hand, was speaking that God will raise him up. And on the other hand, he addresses the fact that the Messiah will be raised up. And don't forget, the Bible has told us that together with my dead body, they will arise. So yes. Resurrection is a foundational doctrine. The dead do rise. Yes, there is a resurrection of the dead. Some to eternal life, some to eternal damnation. The Old Testament is replete with God's word on resurrection, as it is also in the New Testament. I'll just read a few things here. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. We're going to talk more on this anyway. He said, do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice. That is the voice of the Son of Man. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. The Lord Jesus made it clear that the dead do rise. Whether you were born again when you died or you were not born again when you died, there's a resurrection. As we study deeper, we will come to that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. This scripture is read a lot when you go for funerals. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Christians don't die, they sleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. That is, those of us who are alive, if we are still alive by the time the Lord Jesus Christ comes, we will not rise before those other ones. Those who have gone before us will rise first. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's going to be a raising up of the dead in Christ. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with him. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Basically saying to them, don't allow yourself to get despondent or depressed that people have died and there's no hope. No, there's hope. Everyone who dies in Christ will be raised back up. Let me read one more passage of scripture as we end this. In John chapter 11, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, let me read from verse 
23, Jesus said to her, that's to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That is the question. Do you believe this? If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you must believe the resurrection. The moment your faith or your belief does not include the resurrection of the dead, then your faith, your belief system is futile, is vain. Something is terribly wrong with it. You are going to live like those people who say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. You are going to live like the people who believe that once you die and you are buried, that is the end. We're going to begin to live as though this world is where it all ends. Like we see today, we hear messages that tell us to go and buy houses. We hear messages that tell us to go after money. We hear messages that speak about owning cars, owning all kinds of things, becoming great, becoming famous. And yet this world is but a process. In fact, for those who are born again, death is the doorway into eternal life. So life itself, when spoken of by the Lord Jesus Christ, he speaks of eternal life. And for those who are born again, eternal life begins right here on the earth. Once you are born again, you have entered into that life. Death is but a passageway through which you now go into the other side, eternity itself, where you no longer will taste death. This is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So do the dead rise? Is the resurrection of the dead a reality, a truth? Yes! The dead do rise. Yes, there is resurrection of the dead. Those who die in Christ, the Bible tells us, they will rise to eternal life. But those who die without Christ, the Bible tells us, they will rise to eternal damnation. The choice is yours. It's not about going to church necessarily. No! If you go to church and they don't teach you these things, then your church attendance is futile. If you go to church and you're not prepared for life after death, then your church attendance is futile. Your faith is hinged on the fact that Jesus died and rose again. In Romans chapter 4 from verse 23, it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone, talking about Abraham, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So if Christ was not raised, then we are not justified. And in chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified, that is, being treated as though we have no sin, sin is wiped out. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we were not justified, we have no peace with God. We are still enemies of God. And the Bible says, Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So yes, there's a resurrection. Romans chapter 8 from verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So there is a resurrection. The dead do rise. I want to challenge you to go through the scriptures and by the grace of God next week, we will look more at the subject of resurrection. But it is important to understand that your faith is hinged on this particular doctrine and that if this doctrine is missing in your life, then your faith is futile. You will become like those people who say, let us eat, let us drink. 
for tomorrow we die. You become like those people who say, what is in this life safe that we are restraining ourselves? We restrain ourselves because of the hope of eternal life. But if you don't have that hope, you will not restrain yourself. You will live as you want to live. And I see a lot of that in many churches today, largely because they are not being taught this truth. You need to understand there's a resurrection, either unto life or unto eternal death. The choice is yours. If you choose Christ, then you will be raised to eternal life. But if you dismiss Christ, even if you say you are born again and you begin to live for yourself and not for Christ, then when you die, you'll be raised to eternal damnation. God forbid. So until next week, God bless you and goodbye.